Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Football Theory. I am Lifetime Longhorn Rod Davis, joined by fellow football theorist from Inside Texas, but also he's the author of America's War Game on Substack. You know the man, the myth and the legend. And he's also a Lifetime Longhorn like myself. Ian Boyd, what's going on, Ian? How you doing, brother? Going pretty good. Uh, just almost had a long winter's nap just now, so. <laughs> hey, well, trust me. I don't have as many kids as you do, but man, I've never valued naps as much as I do now as a new parent. It's amazing. I, 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 I always thought people was like, man, I don't need naps. I was never a nap person. Never in my life. I've never been a nap guy. I just always find something else to do. I'll relax and kick it, but no naps. Oh, at 40, in my 40s, I become a nap guy. That's amazing. It's all because of the kids, man. They wear me out. <laughs> Is your, uh, is your wife taking any pictures yet of you asleep with the baby on you or something? I already sent them to mom and dad. David, that, that was like a week or so ago. Yeah, passed out on the couch with the baby. Yep, I already done that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's a regular occurrence now. Yeah. <laughs> so now, but you know what? My dad used to do it all the time, and I'd make fun of my dad. And now, full circle, baby. Now I know. Now I get it. Now I get it. Now I get it. Uh, all right, let's get right to it. We're not wasting any time here. Uh, first of all, before we get into Texas, Oklahoma State, and we're going to do a heavy review, and we're going to do a sneak peek, just a little small sneak peek ahead. we got plenty of time till Texas plays Washington in the Sugar Bowl, so we'll get into that. Um, but before we do, I want to ask you about Texas selection uh, into the college football playoff. Did you have any doubt at all? Did, how were you feeling? Were you paranoid about it leading up to it after Oklahoma State? I want to know how you felt before and after the big 12 title game about Texas prospects for the playoff. Um, I think before I was optimistic, but you still had to see how things shook out. I figured uh, Texas had a few paths and the one that seemed most likely to me was uh, Florida state losing mm -hmm. with their third string quarterback. Right. Which didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Although even then I wondered, I was like, are they really going to put Florida state in with no quarterback? over no. a Texas or over another school. Um, after the game, felt very confident. You could just tell on all the channels, all the shows, everyone was yes. like, that team's got to be in. Yep. Um, and I, in my opinion, the committee usually makes, like I always tell people when the weekly rankings come out, I'm like, guys, this is just a, this is just to rile you up and, and hold your attention. Get the conversation going. Yeah. <laughs> Does not matter. We're like, but Ohio State is ahead of Texas. How will Texas jump over Ohio State? Well, they will. Just wait. <laughs> and uh, like Sunday morning, I woke up early for church. I was taking a shower and I was thinking about it. And I was like, okay, the committee has got to go Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama. It's, it's just it it's the way it's got to work. Yeah. Because you, you can't leave out the SEC. Like, that would have a bigger asterisk on the title than if you had uh, if leaving out Florida State. If you leave out Florida State, it's like, well, that sucks. What about their season? But no one's going to say, well, we don't know who would have won because Florida State didn't get to play, right? Nobody's going to say that. Nope. Nobody's going to say that. And if you put Alabama in, you have to put Texas in. Because you can't just completely disregard the regular season. 
Yeah, they open the door when they when they if they get in, they open the door for Texas. Like their only losses to Texas, you got to respect the head to head. I I think the committee got it right. I do yeah. feel bad for Florida State. It does yeah. suck that it, it's a it's a terrible like atrocity that an undefeated team stays out. But if you're talking about the most entertaining product in the four best teams, I think they got it right about the four best teams. Well, let's say this about Florida State, okay? They've been coasting into the playoffs over in the weak ACC for years. <laughs> okay. That's, that's Shoes fair. on the other foot now. It was great being an SEC team in an SEC light conference. Now it's not so great. Oh, well. There's no sympathy here for me. They've had so many chances that others like how many how many times would Auburn have been in the playoffs if they could have played in the ACC? How many times could Ole Miss have made it one year? How many times would LSU be in there? You know, just like I don't want to hear it from Florida State. That's fair. I don't. I have no sympathy. There are no tears for for me in. <laughs> Free shoes university. Well, and and next year, and nobody's got nobody's got to worry about it. Like next year, it'll be a moot point. Like yeah. it's not even a topic next year. So no, I'm with you. I don't feel I don't feel bad for Florida State because this is the way style points. Unfortunately, we were talking about this with Texas prior to them blowing out Tech and blowing out Oklahoma State. The style points do matter. You see that now because you you're right. The, the national narrative shifted. It wasn't even about Texas making it in over Florida State after they blew out Oklahoma State. It was about Alabama making it in over Florida State because everybody said, oh, no, Texas is definitely one of the four best teams. They're, the way they've looked the last two weeks, that's a style points thing. That's that's winning in a dominant fashion. And I think that did it, de- it definitely helped shift the narrative. I think Texas would have made it in regardless, but it helped shift the narrative that Texas was definitely one of the four best teams. So give it up I for think, Sarge. I'm looking at um... – 7.89 million people watched the Big 12 championship game. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. So I, yeah. I do think that those style points ended up really mattering. I agree. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to look at what they were last year. I want to say this year out of the four most high, the high, the highest rated Big 12 games, Texas is three out of the four. The only other one was the TCU Colorado game. Which makes sense, the Dion primetime one. <laughs> I'm seeing uh I'm seeing nine point four million for Kansas State versus TCU. Yeah, because of the, the college football playoff kind of stuff. Yeah. I, that's a good point. I that one may have had more uh more eyeballs because of storylines. Everybody knew Texas was gonna blow out Oklahoma State and beat them. Case K State, remember that was uh people still a lot of people were picking K State in that game. which they did so that's interesting um all right let's talk about this uh texas oklahoma state game i want to start with the defense and then we'll make our way to the offense because i'm not sure which one was more impressive i mean that's how dominant of a performance it was from texas but the defense held what is likely going to be the doke walker award winner ollie gordon to 34 yards total 34 yards. Texas had 33 first downs on offense. They had almost had as many first downs on offense as Ollie Gordon had rushing yards. He had, he threw that temper tantrum early on in the game. I think it was after like the first few drives. He's, you know, seeing throwing his helmet, you know, losing it. And I think honestly, he just saw what was on the horizon. I think he's a high level player that figured out I'm not going to be able to run the ball against this damn team. I'm the best running back in the country and I'm not going to get I'm not going to sniff 
any daylight versus Texas. Uh, sidebar, I got a whole new because uh, that was a hell of a performance he had against Texas, considering now what they've done to every other good running back. Uh, but tip tip of the hat to the Texas rush defense once again. I think, Ian, they, they're so dominant and they're such an elite rush defense that that's not even the biggest storyline of the game, holding the best running back in college football to 34 yards because it's expected from them at this point. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of the uh, feather in the cap on the season for the defense, right? And the, yeah. and and Tavondre Sweat is a what is the trophy he's up for? The Outland. Yep, and the the yes, the he's apparently, on the Kirk, apparently Kirk Bowles is on that committee, so he's probably <laughs> in good shape there. And uh, yeah, they the rush defense this season was all time. And statistically, especially with like where it was compared to how every other Big 12 defense was ranked. Like there may have been some other Texas defenses that ranked similar numbers in rush defense, but I don't think they were like laps ahead of every other defense in the league like they were this year. Good point. Uh, yeah. Like like back when they had like, you know, Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. And I feel like 2007 when everyone hated the defense, they actually had really good rush defensive numbers. Like uh, I remember that, yeah. Franco Cam and Derek Loki, but they just gave up all these passes. <laughs> kind of like this year, actually, only much worse. <laughs> um, so that was a great, just a great capstone to the season. It was. I don't yeah. think I don't think I don't know if maybe if they play Michigan in the final, or if they play um, maybe Alabama. They could maybe put even more of a of a all time, you know, yeah, insignia on the season of run defense. But that was, I mean, if they just wrap it up like that, that's going to be pretty good. I'm with you, and you know, one of the things I that I'm seeing from the the Texas defense more, and you've probably noticed it too, the last two weeks, they're playing more press on the field side. They've been playing press on the boundary. That's just what they do with Ryan Watts. Um, but now they're playing press on the field side a lot more. They've played press on the field and the boundary in the last two games against Tech. I'm going to say more than they've ever played it. And against Tech, I mean, it was the best pass defense that we've seen all season. Held, I think, very more than like 2.4 yards per attempt. And they were spectacular. That was the best that we've seen the Texas secondary play all season long. Now, maybe it was because of the competition or maybe it's because they're getting better and better. Against Oklahoma State, though, Oklahoma State had – they had an adjustment ready for the bump and run coverage. And essentially their adjustment was, we're going to throw it deep. Y'all going to press and we're going to throw it deep and we're going to use double moves. Out and ups, kitchen goes, soft block and go. Uh, and the truth is, it actually worked. Now, it wasn't enough for them to put together sustained drives consistently against Texas. Uh, but their adjustment did show that if Texas is going to play press like that, and this kind of gets us a foreshadowing Washington a little bit, if you're going to play press, tech teams are going to take you over the top. Oklahoma State's not a great passing team, even though they throw the ball out. They're not a great deep passing team. Um, against Washington, if they play press like that, and I think they will have to situationally, um, Washington's going to have their opportunities. Think of it the same way Texas does. When Texas sees Xavier Worthy or A.D. Mitchell with a guy playing press man on the outside, what do they do? They take it to the top. They take them over the top. 
I think Texas is going to see the same thing. Oklahoma State proved that. Ian. Yeah, there was at one point, I mean, they started taking some shots pretty early, right? They did, and yep. Like first missed, drive. They missed the first one, and Gundy wanted the PI. And mm -hmm. uh, they tried some on – they got bailed out. They took a wheel shot against um, Jade Barron. And I think yep. kind of got bailed out by an underthrow. I hate that so much. I'd love to hear you talk about that sometime. How you're like – Yeah, we, yeah. It happens a lot too. You're trailing the receiver and uh, they like stop for the ball and you run into them just before the ball arrives. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, just, it's tough. It's cheap. Um, it's, it's cheap. cheap. <laughs> you're a little bit beat, but you don't have to be beat that much for that to happen. No. Just to get a savvy wide receiver can get you on it. If you just throw it, if the, if the timing of the ball is right, you time it out right, a really good wide receiver, if they stack you, mean get on top of the defensive back a little bit, you really can't do it all to almost any DB. And you can make it look really bad. They like run into your back and it's like, you know what I mean? It's all about the, the how how basically how theatrical you can make it. But if you're a savvy wide receiver, I'm with you. you it can happen. Because most I would say half the time when, they, when a DB is defending a deep ball, they're in chase mode. They're out of phase. So you can pretty much do that a lot. And you're right. They they went, they went. knew they were going to get some cheap ones. That's why Gundy was so upset. He was so upset after they didn't get the first one because he's like, dude, we basically baked that into the game plan. We're going to get some of these PIs, man. And they didn't give it to him. And he was uh, he was pissed. Uh, so I mean, those were cheap, basically. Another no sympathy moment for me and because they mauled Oklahoma's receivers in their bedlam win. And they did not get any uh, calls. Oklahoma oh, didn't get right. that Drake Stoops one. Oh, there's a couple other ones too. And there was like one where the Oklahoma guy was like in phase and got like pushed and collided. And then they called it on Oklahoma. And Brent yeah. Venables lost his mind and got another <laughs> flag. Um, yeah, so no sympathy for them either. But uh, they had a little bit of success. A little bit of success. Their guy Rashad Owens was really good with the ball in the air. Yep. Um, Brennan Presley, they actually targeted Presley on a lot of their deep shots. They'd have him like run a wheel or something. Runner, yeah, they ran out and up with him in the wheel really. Yeah. Right. yeah. And uh they they hit some, but those were on Jade Barron. So it was not like they just weren't really open. Yeah. The only one that it really felt like they actually beat Texas legit. Um was to I think Leon Johnson on Terrence Brooks, and he had yeah. a step on him in the post. Yes, and, and he missed him, and he overthrew Alan Bowman overthrew, him. and yeah. then he was not as angry with himself as Gundy had been at the officials. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that one. And you're right, Texas was playing like a cloud coverage at times, where the DB would basically kind of be in a playing cover two or in flat uh, flat defender. It happened twice. Uh, toward the end of the game, they got it deep in like a 41, 40 some yard shot where he they basically the, the quarterback puts it right in between the safety and the corner. And then it happened again when they went formation into the boundary. And remember, that always pushed Jade Barron as this like high field safety when they go formation to the boundary because they don't like to travel Jade uh, that way. And yeah. they went, I think it was Terrence Brooks. It was the same thing. He was basically a, a deep cover two safety. And they were playing a cloud, some of the cloud coverage yeah. and they yeah. put it right in between them. And was, that it, 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 or was, it, was that the one that they hit? That was the one they hit. 
That was yeah. the one they hit. Yeah, that was the one they hit on. So you're right. Because Texas, in terms of playing straight up and getting beat deep, didn't happen a ton. And it just on those out and ups and the stock block and go. And, you know, they they basically how about they, they built a game plan to attack Jade Barrett. Was that the way they broke tendency? Am I, am I tripping on that? Didn't they didn't they build a game plan to attack Jade? I yeah, but I think that it that was like that. I think that that was like if Brandon Presley doesn't go off, we have no chance. Yeah, uh, so I don't, think, point. I, I don't think it was. I don't think they were like, who do we attack? Who's our guy? There he is, Jade Barrett. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's how they were thinking. I think they were thinking like these receivers run four seven four eight. They're not going to get over yeah. the top. That's true. Inside, we're going against Devondre Sweat. Process of elimination. Where do we even try to attack? We'll just have to do what we can with Presley. I, I think that's how they calculated it. It got to be. It's got to be that. Because I'm like, they can't be building a game plan just to attack Jade. But they they had success. That's why I was like, this weird. I went back and rewatched it. But I think you're right. People are like, hey, he's going to be in the slot. That's our best shot to make plays, to get explosive plays. We can't ignore that guy just because Jade's there. We're going after him. And that's why they went formation in the boundary a lot, though. And they actually didn't even have to deal yeah. with Jade. Put him yeah. in the moment. Uh-huh. And they scored the touchdown on uh, Hill and Jaron Thompson. Yes. Uh, and they were playing right. a little bit off, and they had him just like run the quick stop into the soft part of zone, and just like as soon yeah, as he turn turns around. around, the ball is there. Yeah, um, yeah, that was part of their game plan too. No, you're right. That, that's I'm glad you brought that up. That's definitely was it. They're not attacking today, but that was actually today probably his his worst game um, as a defender. It's because of yeah. the way things kind of worked out. I honestly think that if you're today, you should take some. You should take it as a compliment. They to in order to beat you, teams need to go double moves. They got to go stalk, block, and go. They got to do some some really obtuse things. They cannot just beat you with consist with, with just consistent play because you are too fundamentally sound. So they got to make your keys work against you. Out and up, hitch and go, stuff like that. That'll work against today because he's so consistent in his technique and his fundamentals that basically counter keys work against him and they they work that's kind of what's worked against today even that i can't remember the numbers but they only averaged like i want to say like 6.5 yards per target on uh, presley they had like a lot of incompletes like baron broke up a slant or two he did Uh, so even though like they got some plays on baron and some plays with presley in general it was they were not living well doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. They, they, I'm with you on that. It seemed like everything was coming hard. Even the big sh- the shots they were taking downfield, they weren't consistent enough for them to put together any drives. They they yeah. were never really a threat. Uh, I would say to the Texas defense. But I will throw out there um, that I did count eight deep shots that they took twenty yards or more down the field because I've been kind of tracking that because that's what Washington does really well. And they had the one pi. Um, they had one, you talked about the open receiver. They missed, they probably should have got another PI call with the first deep shot. They took, they did not get, uh, and yeah, that Gundy was upset about, and they connected on three of them. So that's a, if you start looking at it, they should have got another PI. They didn't know one to completion. One was the quarterback missed it. 
Um, yeah, the success rate is rising on that one. That that there's no doubt, and we'll get into it later. That my biggest fear factor is Texas defending vertical shots against Washington. If they can defend the vertical shots and keep them at a minimum, Texas gonna win that game. But if Washington goes off in that deep ball 20 yards or more down the field and they get a lot of them, especially with Derek Williams missing the first half, things could get interesting, way too interesting down the stretch. What? I think last year Phoenix threw for like five and a half, five point eight yards per attempt on Texas. Yeah, they they took you're right. They didn't connect on a lot of deep shots last year. Whatever they did last year, we'll look back at it. Was yeah, you know what? Yeah. No, they right. ran the ball. They ran the ball effectively. Washington did over 150. And, and I think they were good on third down. I bet you, if we look back, I bet they were. I want to say they were. Like, 10 of 15, I want to say, Ian, actually. Yeah, I would not say. Yeah. They had a couple drives where they were just, DeBoer was in his bag or grub or whoever, and uh, and they were just marching down the field. Now, you're right about that because I was worried. I will say that. I was worried about the deep ball last year, and that wasn't what beat them last year. That wasn't what killed them last year. They completed, I think, a couple of them, but that's not what beat them. It was the running game because they ran for 158, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see if I get that number right. Yes, 158, 5.6 yards per carry. And on third down, they, man, money downs, they were 11 of 20 on third down, two of three on fourth down. So essentially 13 of 23 on money downs, period. So you were right, brother. They just kept converting. They didn't get that deep shot. They kept moving the chains. Yep, he is. He's, he was five point two yards per pass. So, you know, was, that was like, um, remember when Brady faced the Seahawks in the Super Bowl? Yeah, Brady's day was something like it was like five or six yards in attempt, and it was like these numbers where you'd be like, "Oh, the Patriots must have got destroyed." It was like, nope. <laughs> Because it was literally every pass was five yards. It was like, yeah, I can't remember the running back they had, like James White or somebody. I think you're right. Julian Edelman on a flat, James White on a flat, over and over and over and over again in the soft parts of the Seahawk Legion of Boom zone. All the way down the field, Brady Brady could do that. Phoenix Phoenix has got a, you know, not he's not Brady, but. He's one of those guys that could actually probably beat you a little bit, throwing for a low yard per attempt, because he he can be that consistent. I mean, they are top ten in the country in third down, so they convert right third down. And the only pass they throw more than the D ball, zero to nine yards, which is essentially kind of their quick game. So there are times when they decide, hell, man, we're not going to run the ball, but that's extension of our running game. We're just going to get rid of the football. And I think that's what they did against Texas. So I, you're right about that, brother. That's good stuff. Um, Okay, anything else on the defensive side of the ball before we flip to the offensive side of the ball? Anything else intrigued you about Texas defensive performance versus Oklahoma State? Um, that Derek Williams call was trash. I think me and you were both on the um, watch. This it happened. Yeah. Like, that felt yeah, that's it. it. It was bad because it's not the spirit of the rule. The spirit of the rule is when players are trying to use their – basically the crown of their helmet or use their helmet as a weapon. All right. And he was not doing that. He literally was just trying to block a guy. It was a special teams play. Yeah. Was it a special teams play, right? Yeah. yeah. He was trying to block a guy 
and he his head grazed the other guy's head. By the letter of the law, yes, it is targeting because that's not the way the rule is stated. But the spirit of the rule, that's not the spirit of the rule, man. That is it, not the spirit of the rule at all. It felt like a have fun in the playoff. <laughs> right? <laughs> that was pretty good. Is that, is that, is that, is that Big 12 guy? Big 12 yeah. guy? <laughs> that's, yeah. That's the... Obviously, man, you might be right. Hey, a lot of people are upset that Sark didn't win coach of the year and Gundy won it. You know what I mean? And they think that was kind of the, the Big 12 saying, hey, he's our coach of the year. You're not you're not a coach here anymore, so get the hell out of the conference, man. So, so I'm sure, going to get the bag. That'll be his trophy. Damn one. right. He's still, he's still up for national coach of the years. I, I support Gundy winning coach of the year in the conference um, because it is Sark was expected to win the conference. So the conference-wise – that's no surprise. Yeah, I think Gundy was picked to win to finish like sixth or seventh. But nationally, Sark should probably be up to win coach of the year nationally because he's shocking the national college football fans because nobody really expected him to make the playoff this year or beat Bama. That's a national thing. Conference-wise, Gundy's got a good argument. That's he also lost point. the Red River shootout, which is still unforgivable. So, <laughs> man, one day, hey, you know what? And they almost went, oh, can we get to this real quick? Speaking of offense, this is a perfect segue. Mike Gundy said after the game, he said this, he said the Texas team was better live on the field than they were on film. He said that. And I thought to myself, man, I've watched Texas on film. They look pretty damn good. On film, it look actually look sometimes look better on film than they actually do on the field. I mean, when I see them live, because on film, you know, Sark and all his cheat codes and the force multiplies. I think about all the matchup and, and disadvantages and everything. And yeah. I think I know what Billy was talking about, Ian. I think I know he was talking about red zone offense. Texas was five of five in red zone offense versus Oklahoma State. I think much like he probably baked into his game plan, we're going to get some PI calls, some gimme calls. They're going to keep our drives alive. I bet he baked into the game plan. They're going to screw up some red zone offense. We're going to have they're going to settle for some field goals. They'll give us a chance to stay in the game because they're going to screw up red zone offense like they do every week. Even versus Tech, where they blew out Tech, every phase scored. They still look like Benny Hill music should have been playing in the red zone. Make <laughs> penalty, fumbling the ball. That's just Texas. This game, five of five in the red zone. I think Mike Gunny thought to himself, well, if they're going to be that good in the red zone, we wouldn't go ever beat them anyway. We had no shot. Your only shot to beat Texas really is that they're going to screw up in the red zone somehow. It's probably the only thing that's keeping them from being the best team in the country. That's why they lost the Oklahoma game. Man, if Texas is going to be good in the red zone, Ian, they're going to win the national title. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. True. <laughs> right? right. Seriously. Right. Um, I, I wondered, that's a pretty, you're probably right. I wondered if what he meant by that was that um, Texas had so many guys play in that game that were mm-hmm. running away from Oklahoma State's dudes. Speed. It'd be like check down to Jaden Blue. He puts his foot in the ground. He's running away from somebody. Worthy, obviously. Um, Whittington was clowning people in the first yeah, half. Yep. Um, JT screens yeah. running away from him. <clears throat> yeah, JT Sanders. Man, he looked he looks healthy, right? <laughs> um, they just had so many guys that were so fast. There's a couple plays where like uh, Derek Williams made a a tackle on counter in the alley from the wrong hash mark. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Yep. No, you could be right about that. That's because Texas was, you said that on in-game live watch and you were right. Texas looked way faster, way faster. Yeah. I I noticed on rewatch that Oklahoma state would uh, always bail one of their safeties deep Mm -hmm. to like, um, prosper before the snap on every play. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just like, fear, just fearful. Send him out there to cool in the Prosper Lagoon, and <laughs> that, uh, Texas doesn't score. And just to your point, right? Five of five in the red zone. I got nervous early in the game that uh, Texas kept having they kept getting tackled in the red zone, mm. and I was like, well going to be hard to maximize this drive. And then Sark would dial something up and they'd score. And it was like, Oh, this game's yeah. over. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, man. It's, it was, it was impressive. I'm not going to lie. Like I got to go back and kind of check out. I thought they in the, in the red zone, I think they were focused more on players into the plays. I mean, you had the mm. Tavondre sweat play. You had the, I don't know if the flea flicker was actually in the red zone, maybe like the 25 or something like that. Uh, the A.D. Mitchell play was really good because it kind of isolated him out there. I just thought, I don't know, and maybe I'm just reaching there. But I thought it was interesting that they focused on a lot of plays in the red zone, players just in the red zone this time, and not necessarily the plays. Um, I thought early on, and, and I went and tracked it, first 24 plays for Texas. And Texas, I mean, what scored on that first, what, five offensive drives or something like that? Was it first? I, I don't know if they were stopped. In the phone, the first five drives offensively, it was something like that. I mean, I'll go look at it, but I think you're right. I don't think they got stopped until that third quarter drive where they ate up half the quarter. It's unbelievable. Um, I looked at the start because we always pay attention to the script, and I was just looking at the uh, the start of the game for Texas. So I went a little bit past script, say the first 24 plays is what I went and looked at. Uh, yeah, Texas did score their first three, four. They had the interception. Boom. That's what that's what broke up the scoring oh, streak. Yeah, the pick. Yeah. The pick broke up the scoring streak. Yeah. Then they scored right after that. So basically scored on five out of their first six drives. There you go. Uh, so they had the pick and the missed field goal is basically what kept – there was only two drives they did not score in the first half. Um, but the first 24 plays, something I noticed, you know Sark loves 11 personnel. He runs 11, one back, one tight end, probably half the time. He went a lot of power. Power sets, power personnel, 12 and 21. 
I saw him in 12 or 21 personnel, I, I believe, and I have him clocked at 16 of the first 24 plays. That's never really the case for Sark. He usually is the guy that's going to go with 12 and 11. He'll stick with more of the spread personnel groupings early on. I think he was purposefully, man, we've talked about this on the show. All right, I always give you my uh, my little uh, theme, present power personnel packages and pivot to play action pass principles. That's exactly what he did in, to start out the game. Quinn ended up damn near setting records uh, for the Big 12 championship just in the first half alone, passing records because he was so prolific. I think he pulled the okie doke on Mike Gundy and their staff after watching Iowa State and watching Texas Tech. They were thinking Texas is going to run the rock against us. And I think Texas doubled down on that. At least Sark did, presented them with power. So they would think Texas is going to run the rock. And Texas pivoted to heavy play action pass. And they got him. I mean, they really did. Uh, you could tell that Oklahoma State was taken off guard by Texas throwing the football so much out of those power power sets. Yeah, kind of Belichick in. Belichick yeah. used to do stuff like that, where he would he'd go into a game thinking like, "Oh, this they're going to do this, or we got to look out for this," and then do the exact opposite. Um, Felt like you that. Know, the I'm I'm falling in love with the twenty one like you are too. Oh, it's they, awesome. There's so much they can do to create a really easy play action read for Quinn from those. Mm -hmm. It's just so easy to get a running back running free in the flat for an easy completion or a running back running in the flat and then pulling down a defender that then leaves open like Jatavian Sanders or uh, – yep wit on a crosser or whatever what have you um i i'd like to go back and look if you if you notice let me know i'd like to go back and look how often quinn had to go past like a one read play in order to find an open receiver that i would honestly and that's crazy you brought that up because i was talking to i was talking to bobby on one of the live streams and he remarked that he thought quinn got deeper into progressions uh in this matchup probably more so than he's seen him in a long time. Um, I would, I probably, I'm going to track that and see, because I think he may have done it a lot too, that I did not track. I, uh, getting back to the 21 personnel though, they did average, I think what 14 yards per play, <laughs> 21 personnel in that game. So there's some ridiculous number. Um, and most of it was on that, that, that uh, breakaway run. I think it's a 50 something yard run by Keelan Robinson. Um, but I'm with you. I think Quinn because the power personnel really kind of cleaned up the looks for him. I think Quinn may have had his best game at, at Texas, period. Um, it might have been his best game as a football player, period. I talked to Jerry Hamilton about it. He said he had a game like that in his high school career, but they didn't win the game. They lost the game. So maybe if you ask Quinn, he'll say it was his, it was his best game. I, I am with you. I think Quinn is – I think we're starting to see the growth from him getting deeper into progressions – um, and then if he can do that, I mean, honestly, that's probably what he's coming back to school for to prove he can do that and really, you know, pair that up with the footwork and the, the technique and the throwing motion. Um, right now, I think we're starting to see Quinn take it to another level and it might be right in the nick of time. So I definitely think that was his best game that we've seen him play. But I, I do think if we look back that we're going to see that it was he threw to his primary read. A lot of time, most most of the game, but I, I don't I don't I I do want to say this for Quinn, 
I don't know if there's a better quarterback in the country throwing to the primary read. I agree with that, man. And, and including on, roll, on rollouts too. Like it's like, here's my guy. I just got to get it to him somehow in position to make the most of it. And he'll he'll hit him on the right shoulder and he'll do it from different angles. It, it's really – it's actually kind of what I thought Quinn and Sark would be in year one. And uh, that was just too ambitious. They just weren't going to be there in year one. But uh, I, I love what you just said there. No, because I think you're right. I, I, I track targets to motion, right? It's just uh, players who are targeted in the passing game prior to the snap or, you know, who are basically they're in motion at the time of the snap or prior to the snap. And in that game, I have him uh, 100% completion percentage, nine of nine targeting players to motion. And I haven't figured out, and I'm pretty sure that it's, it's the first, like start scheming him open. Like it's a first read, you know, primary window throw. Like it's, it's, it's a, almost a predetermined read pretty much. This guy's going to be open. Just make sure you hit him in stride. And that and, and Sark loves that about Quinn's game, getting back to your point, that if he knows who's getting the football, he can put the ball on the money, perfect placement with the perfect amount of touch so if he can catch the ball in stride. The whole point of targets to motion so the guy gets the ball in stride already and he basically has a almost a running start, all right, to be able to get leverage. And getting back to Sark, though, this is how you know Sark's in his bag. One of his conceptual signatures is targets to motion. The games where he has had the most targets to motion, how about this? Both Alabama games. I want to guess. Oh, you want to guess them? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I already gave you two. (laughs) I gave Uh, you two already. So this is for all three years? This is for for the last – I've been tracking it for the last two years. And I have both Bama games. He's got 10 and 9 in those Bama games. He's got – that was nine Oklahoma State game. I have Oklahoma. I bet he had. I bet he had. A, I bet that's the next one. Not as many as I thought in the Oklahoma game. I only counted five in the Oklahoma game. Uh, five, six, and five. So not as many as you think. You know the other game where he has more targets to motion in any other contest. Um, Kansas game in twenty twenty. 2021 Kansas, which makes sense because he was freaking out about losing to Kansas at home. Oh. So I think he did. He, he went deep into the bag. He went deep. He was like, "Man, I gotta. We gotta score some points." So I think he was just uh, going deep into the bag. That's so. So I think it's it's a way to tell how excited Sarky is about a game plan. How many targets to motion that he has? This is one of my. Yeah, he had to empty the bag on Kansas. That's he right. did. 2021, dude. He's like, we're gonna lose. No, they. <laughs> Come back from like a twenty-four point deficit or something, and and then, and then of course they still lost in yeah. overtime. He still lost, like, but he he hey, he, he his bag. Yeah, yeah. Now you're right about that. Um, but there you go, Oklahoma State. To your point, though, Sark gives I, him a lot of predetermined first read throws because Sark knows that's right. when he's at his best. I want to know how many he had against Arkansas. One. 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 I I wonder if one. if I, I I it just occurred to me. I was like, I wonder if he tried to dial some up for Card, and Card missed him, and he was like, Screw this! I'm going to Casey from now on. <laughs> and uh, you know what? It might be 
it might be schematic though, because I'm trying to see uh, this year where Iowa State is. Um, it might be schematic because this year targets motion only three versus Iowa State, and you had one versus Iowa State in 2021. It may be like the style of defense they play that it just basically targets to motion is a moot point. Like it doesn't give you a schematic advantage. It could be that something too. Yeah, just yeah. throwing it out there. Um, okay, I yeah I I I will say this. I think I think Quinn. This is the thing about it. if Quinn plays like that again in the college football playoff semifinal, does he come back to school? Right. I don't know. And he might. They got a month. He might. They got yeah. a month to put together. Uh, they get to get, you know, Rocket the Raccoon building weapons from junk. <laughs> and, like, just getting it ready, you know? Yeah. Like, what's I this mean, one? I don't know. Don't touch that, Quinn. Don't just say it. <laughs> he hasn't made the announcement yet. So I'm assuming he's still up in the air. Just throw yeah. it out there, man. I hope I he I hope he, I hope he has a tough decision to make. I bet you that's what he's waiting on, too. Because if you go like let's say they got like Michigan in the national championship. Oh, let's say like man. Michigan like solves Jalen Milrow, which I don't know that that's gonna happen, but let's say it did. And then they've like they've beaten Stroud twice. They made Ryan Day kick Kyle McCord out of Columbus. And then they beat Jalen Milrow, right? And then if yeah. Quinn goes out and gets them because he's beaten Washington, right? And he just like torches Michigan and wins the national championship. Yeah. Then you go pro, right? Yep. You go. You, you, you go, could man. get a lot better, but your stock will never be higher. Yeah. And you know what? What's a great example of that? You remember 2014 when Ohio State makes it because Cordell Jones ends up being the third string quarterback. And Cordell yeah. Jones was not on anybody's draft board. Why would he be? He was a third string quarterback. He played three games, Big Ten title game, semifinal, and the championship game. He ended up being a fourth round pick from a three game evaluation that he balled out in. So if Quinn's considered a second round pick right now and he just balled out in the Big 12 title game, and he puts together a really good semifinal and even better championship game. I'm with you, Ian. Dude, go, go, cash that lottery ticket, man. Don't wait, go. Um, all right, hope we got to worry about that. That'd be a great problem to have. All right, before we wrap it up, let me get your thoughts about Washington's. I know you already been watch watching them, and I got a little theory for you too. I want to see if you agree with it about Washington and Swash's offense and Steve Sarkeesian. What are your thoughts about the Washington Huskies in the matchup? They're kind of scary. Mm -hmm. I think Texas is a better overall team. But the thing that Washington does well is like the equivalent of like knockout power in a boxing match. Mm, love it. Their passing game. It's love just it. like, it's like you're going against Tyson. It's like if we get him into the later rounds, you know, we'll probably be okay. But he might just knock us out, get us an uppercut <laughs> in round three. You know? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And their, their ability to come back. Ooh. Their ability to come back is scary. This it's like they have like three, they have at least two NFL receivers. I don't Jalen Polk may make three. I think I they think might Mc, have three. McMillan yeah. is awesome. Roma Dunze is a first round pick. Um 
they have a bunch of tight ends too that are good. They move them all over the place. I was watching the Pac-12 championship game a little bit, and they had the tight end at running back, and they were playing hmm. all formational games. And yeah. I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> One of them. They wanted hey, Kevin DeBoer is sharp, man. What do you think about him as a play caller and a coach? I I think he is really I think he's one of the talent most talented coaches in college football right now. I think he really is. Him, Sark, and Riley to me are like the top. Play callers, offensive minds. Yeah. And then yep. Day Day is dropping for me with every new Michigan game I watch. And uh <laughs> he's still up there, but he's dropping, you know. Hey, blame Connor Stallions, man. That's Connor Stallions fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll say this. This is my theory, real quick, before we get out, get out of here. I believe Sark secretly, in his heart, he is jealous of that Washington offense. It's probably as closest thing you can get to a Don Coriel offense. We know Sark loves the deep ball, wants to throw the deep ball. Hell, as a matter of fact, early on in his tenure here at Texas. He was he was telling folks, even though they weren't good at the at completing the deep ball and they weren't effective at converting it, they were still gonna throw it. He was that stubborn about it. Remember, he kept saying yeah. it's a huge part of our offense because I think he believes in its ability to inflict psychological damage on defenses. But I think now, being a wiser coach and evolving as a coach, he's realized that and accepted the fact they're not great at the deep ball. It's not a strength of Quinn. And actually, it's doing more self-harm. It's doing more damage to our team, getting us behind the chains when we throw them on first down and we fail to convert than it is inflicting psychological damage on the defense. So he has curtailed excuse me, his frivolous deep shots down the field. But yeah, when so, he watches Washington, yeah. they chunk it. I think he's a little jealous of that. He wants that in his offense. I, I I think part of that is that they get teams just bail their safeties against Texas. And I think that's a big reason why, like, Brooks had 1,000 yards. It was like, what are they going to do without Brooks? Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Because cause teams are just so afraid of Mitchell and, and Worthy. Um, yeah. I think I think once they hit that deep shot to Worthy in the Alabama game in Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, well, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> They're still living off of it, though. They love it. I love it. Well, why is it that Washington's able to do it so much? Uh, the, the receivers. Penix has Penix has a great arm. He can make the throws, and the receivers they fight for the balls. Oh, Dunze is the best 50-50 receiver. Cool. He's the best contesting catch receiver in college football. Not even close. Um, so I think that's a bit. And honestly, I would just say how aggressive they are with it. They just keep chunking it. They keep the like just the they've thrown hundred twenty plus yard passes so far this year. Now, Quinn's thrown 39, so I think the sure volume of it kind of overwhelms teams, and then the odds are in their favor. They are completing 44% of their passes downfield. Texas is giving up around 36%. If you take away the, the backup quarterbacks Texas played, they're giving up around 42%. And that's what I'm worried about a little bit is that they're going not against – this is the best quarterback they played with the best group of wide receivers and the most sophisticated passing game. And Texas right now is giving up around 42% of deep balls to starting quarterbacks. And it's the best one they've seen. That worries me just a little bit. Only thing that worries me, actually. 
So they're going to be working cloud for a month. They, they, they better figure it out. They better figure it out, Ian. I don't know what their plan is, but last year, as you pointed out, they did a decent job last year. They yeah, did a decent job. I need to see what they played last. Well, last year it, it seemed like they matched up. They ended up doing pretty well against the receivers in the matchups. They did. Yeah, you're right. But so they ran the ball against them, and they they can't run the ball this year, though. We know that. Ain't gonna be no run the ball this year. They got to throw it to win. If they just if they just do their thing and they play uptight and uh, they stick with it, even if they hit a deep bomb to Dunze, um, maybe it'll just even out. You know, if, maybe yeah. they can be like, "You're you, we don't think you can beat us for four quarters to run bombs." We think even if you I, hit a couple, it's going to even out, and then we'll have you. I like that. It's a, risk, they, it's a risky way to play it, but that, that, that it is be- a risky way. But I, I agree with you because that's it's a low percentage throw. It's supposed to be. It just isn't for Washington. It's like Dame Lillard. It's like, that's a bad shot. Well, for everybody except Dame Lillard, it's a bad shot. <laughs> and that's kind of Washington. So your theory, it actually does make sense. I just pray they're not having a good day. That's what we got to pray. <laughs> the, the, the 20, uh, 2014 Alamo Bowl was like that, where Michigan State had these big old safeties, and mm. they've been playing press quarters all day, every day against everybody, and they played Baylor. And they're like, you're not going to mm. run the ball, and we don't really think you can land shots on us all day in press quarters. If you want to try, you can try. We don't believe you can do it. And Baylor threw for like 500 or 600 yards. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Won like 42 to 41. And after the game, Pat Narduzzi came down and gave D'Antonio a hug. And they looked like they looked like somebody had just come out to two little brothers and been like, your daddy's going to make it. <laughs> it was, it was really Oh, that's great. That's a great way to end it. I love that. Nice little anecdote there, brother. All right. Uh, We'll be back next week, uh, and we'll be talking tons of Texas versus Washington. I got lots of notes. I'm going to go back and watch some more film. So is my man Ian. So we'll have the game plan ready for you of how Texas can pull off the win over Washington. Ian, thanks for the time as always, brother. It was awesome. You bet. Looking forward to this next few. No doubt. All right, uh, folks, hopefully y'all will join us as well. Um, and we'll be talking Texas football and everything in between. Uh, for my man Ian and for myself, until next time, hook em.